How many of y'all have ever um, had a moment in your life where you was at the right place at the right time for the right reason and the right thing happened? Maybe it was something that was just uh, unexpected that you looked and you discovered that God had to be in that moment because it couldn't have happened any other way. You know, those moments are called appointment, divine appointments. And sometimes they're called kairos moments. Kairos, it's a right now moment. How many of y'all, just, just for a show of hands, how many of you have ever had a moment like that where something, you were just in the right place at the right time, the right moment, something, something very, very positive happened and you knew it couldn't have been just happen chance, it had to be God. Raise your hand. I just want to see. Yeah, a lot of folks. One of those God moments when everything in heaven and earth just seemed to line up and you were just totally blown away by it. It was the right time. Well, I want to share with you this morning about someone who everything about the person was, was right. It was a matter of timing. And I'll just say this up front. God's timing is the best timing. Sometimes we wait for a particular thing to happen. For example, you know, you could get a prophetic word and you just wait for a long, long time for that to happen. And sometimes you just, you're tempted to give up on it, but, but you still believe, you know, that that was a word from God, a word for you. It was a right now word for a, a, a point in the future. And you just hold on to it with hope and and. Timing, the timing of the Lord is something that's, that, that, that we can't make him do things before it's his time to do it and before it's our time to receive it. You just, you just can't make that kind of stuff happen. But the timing of the Lord is incredibly perfect. And after you go through all that and you, you reach that moment in time that God has ordained and established and appointed for you, it's just just makes all the difference for it. It, can, it, it. It literally can change your life. It can, it, can make you, it can make you full of joy. It can just do lots of things. It can bring you peace. It can strengthen your faith. It can do all sorts of things if, if we just wait on the Lord's timing. But unfortunately, a lot of times we get impatient and, and uh, sometimes we try to take matters. And have, you know, I'm not asking for a show of hands of this, but have any of you ever tried to make stuff happen on your own? And what was the result with that? It's called failure. It's called disappointment. It's called frustration and all that stuff that goes along with it. But God's timing is absolutely and totally immaculate. So let's just look at the scripture I gave um, Kim this morning to put up on the board for us. Uh, if you have your own and you want to follow along with it, it'll be Galatians 4, 1 through 7. <laughs> yeah. New Living Translation. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they are grown up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. 
And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Now what law is He talking about? Law of sin and death. Okay. So that He could adopt us as His very own children. Did y'all know, just sort of a legal technicality. In order for God to adopt us as His children, He had to wait for the proper time. Because in natural adoption cases, think of it this way. A child cannot be adopted unless the government clears that child for adoption. Says it's okay. The government, some civil authority, has to break all ties naturally with the the posterity, with the ancestry, with the lineage of this child. They have to put this child in a legal position to actually be able to be adopted into a new family so this child can enjoy the benefits of being in a new family. That's what Jesus had to do now when He came to do His thing on Calvary. Things had to be made right governmentally and in, a, in, in, the, in the proper way of doing things. Things had to be done in a proper way in order for God to adopt us into His family. If things hadn't been done in a proper way, we couldn't be adopted. So Jesus came to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason and under the right authority. He did that and it cleared the way for us to be in God's family. Interesting, isn't it? So Jesus bought the freedom for us who were slaves to the law of sin and death so He could adopt us to be His very own children so we could enjoy the inheritance of heaven. What was it that you were freed from? What what are the things that you were subject to? that you are now no longer subject to, that Christ just absolutely washed away. He took authority and control over it, and by His sacrifice, He done those things. He he removed them out of the way so that you could be in God's family. What is it that He's done for you? What are the things, if you had to make a list? I would suspect that a lot of our lists would look the same. And if you combined every list of every person in here, it would, be a, it would be a compiled list of nastiness, of lostness, of no hopeness, of no peaceness. And the problem with us in our old state under the old spiritual laws and darkness is that we didn't even know we were lost until God began to show us. Did you know that? That's part of the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God is that He, in His, in, in His, His love for us, He begins to show us who were lost and apart from Him, subject to the law of sin and death, and who were reveling in it, and just going on about our ways, begins to show us and reveal to us. You know, there's no peace here. The way you're doing this, 
<laughs> there's no joy. There's no contentment in what you're doing and how you're searching for and the things you're substituting to try to fill the hole in your life. There's no, there's no satisfaction in any of that. So what are you going to do with it? And many times he allows us to wrestle with that for a while. He allows people who are lost to wrestle with that as the Holy Spirit deals with people. Until one moment, we slash them come face to face with the great love of Calvary. And light begins to shine on the spiritual darkness and, and the helpless condition and place that we're in. And we slash they see hope. And his name spelled Jesus. And then we slash them would just collapse and give up to the love of God and find eternal rest. Find the pathway for all the things that heaven has to offer. See, Jesus did that. He was the right man at the right moment for the right reason, for the right purpose. And he came like a baby, as a baby. Like I mentioned last week, Christmas time. You can't, <laughs> you can't contain. One service can't contain all the great things that can be said or mentioned about Jesus. Can't cover all the scriptures. And one of the things about December that I like is that it gives people like me an opportunity to kind of touch different scriptures to make application for this time of year and this season that we may not ordinarily get to if we just sort of relegate the Christmas story to one to the Sunday before Christmas. Jesus is way too big for that. And yet we tell the story and we read the scripture and we sing the songs and it never, ever, ever grows old. You know why? Because the whole story is designed and all of the events that transpired is designed specifically for you. Christmas narrative, the promises of the Word of God concerning Jesus' coming at the right time. You know, and that's, that's what it says, you know. He came. At, at, at the specific right time, He came, born under the law of a woman to redeem us from our sins at a specific point in time. You, we... And it's, it's such a simple story, but we never get tired of it. Those of you who've been saved for many, many years, and you went through a lot of Christmas seasons being saved, you never, ever get tired of hearing about the Christmas story. And you never, ever, ever get tired about hearing of Jesus. You come to church Sunday after Sunday, maybe Sunday after Sunday, and then Wednesday after Wednesday, and Friday after Friday, and all the other special times in between, 
And you never get tired of hearing about Jesus because everything he did and everything he was and everything he accomplished and everything he won, it's all yours. And he did it for you. God help us if we ever get to the place where we take the story of Jesus and His birth and His life and His sacrifice and His victory in an abstract way. And it just becomes part of the routine of, of life and the routine of season. And as you read news articles and, and stuff like that, whether it be on the internet or on hard copy paper or whether you watch the news, you know, the powers that be in this earth, every year it seems like they're... they're they're striking and they're trying to take the baby Jesus out of this season. And it hurts us. But you know what? As long as this earth stands, there is going to be a celebration of the birth of Jesus. And the baby Jesus' birth, the immaculate conception that his mother had by, by virtue of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her and impregnating her with the precious life of the divine child. We will never be able to separate that from the Christmas story. Never, ever, ever. I remember one, uh, one year, where were we living when we had the outdoor nativity and somebody stole baby Jesus? We were in Ambrose, Georgia, in the heart of the country Bible Belt of south central Georgia. Okay, listen, let me listen. You tell the story. Who wants to tell the story out of our family? Monica, you want to tell it? Mama, Sister Janie. At any rate, we had this, we had this, this manger. You've seen it. There was, there was Mary and there was Joseph and there was a little donkey and a little sheep, a little arbor with some grass, a little manger thing. And there was baby Jesus and they were all lit up. All of them had a light bulb. <laughs> and somebody... We got up one day, Melissa, did you discover it? Yeah, she went out there to turn it on and there was no baby Jesus. <laughs> and so I guess that was perhaps a, a prophetic statement of the days in which we live that regardless of where you are, somebody wants to take baby Jesus out of Christmas. But it'll never happen. You know why it'll never happen? Number one is because it's, 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 it's emblazoned in our hearts about his birth, about the, the innocence of it, and about the, um, the, the diabolic schemes of the enemy to, to try to kill Jesus as an infant. You know? So it's emblazoned in our hearts. But the other, thing, other reason why they can't take baby Jesus out of Christmas is because he didn't stay a baby. <laughs> He outgrew that manger, and he outgrew his diapers, and he outgrew the crawling stage. You know, he was once upon a time about her size, crawling around on his hands and knees. We forget about that kind of stuff. He'd fall down and scrape his knee, and, he, and when, when that happened, you know what? He would bleed, and he would cry. He wouldn't lay his hands on himself and go, He didn't do that. He, his knee bled. He bumped his head. He got a bruise. When he went to school, it was at the synagogue school for boys. They would teach 
He had to be taught to read and he had to be taught to write. And he, was re he read and was taught to read and write by using the Torah. That's what they used. And as a child, he learned the Word of God. And he grew up on his own two feet. He would walk and he would talk. And at the age of 12, he went into the temple and he absolutely and totally amazed all of the, the doctors and the lawyers and the scribes, the Pharisees, the high priests and everybody. He amazed them with his wisdom and his knowledge and revelation concerning the Word of God. You know why? Because he was the Word. He was the Word, but he learned the Word. It's a good example for us. He learned the Scriptures. One of the things that I value so much as an adult man was the times when at that old country church <laughs> they would force me to read the Bible. I can't tell you how many times I read that thing from cover to back. And I didn't really like it a whole lot to start with, but when I reached age nine and Jesus came into my life, all of a sudden, the chore was not quite as bad anymore. I began to like it. I began to read the Word. And I'm familiar with it. But Jesus knew it all because that's who He was. And that's still who He is. And so this Jesus did not remain a baby, but He grew up into adulthood and manhood. He suffered the loss of his daddy. A lot of y'all's fathers aren't here anymore because death has collected them. He suffered the loss of his daddy. And he then had to become the head of that Jewish household because he was the oldest son. But eventually, at some point, at the right moment, he was led into the wilderness... He was tempted by the devil. He gained victory over devil. And the scripture says he received the Holy Spirit. He was empowered as he came out of the, the wilderness because of the Holy Spirit gave him power. And he immediately started his ministry. Which caused a great shift and transition even in his personal family. How many of y'all have been compelled to do something by the Lord and it, it, it affected your family? You know what? That probably with most of us is where the rubber meets the road. It's when your receipt, your receiving of Jesus and your relationship with Him calls you to go a little bit further, to do something a little bit different, to be extravagant in some area. It, 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 will, it will alter the relationship with your family or some family members and they don't understand, but you're compelled to do it anyway. I want you to know if that, if that description has ever suited you, has, 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 would have fit, be fit to describe you. I want you to understand that Jesus knew exactly how it felt. Because at one point they came to him, Mary and his brothers and sisters, his whole family came, and they said, go ahead and go to Jerusalem. Yes, go now. What, you know what they were doing when you read that place in Scripture? They were actually telling him to go on and let them people kill him. Because they about had enough. <laughs> really? See, Jesus, He knows not only about your humanity, but He understands about your relationships because chances are He's been through the same situations in those relationships. Matter of fact, I know He has 
Because the scripture says he was tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. Nothing escaped his experience. And so the baby Jesus that we love about the stories about this time of year, and we love to see him in the manger, he didn't stay in the manger. He grew up and left the manger. Because he was the right man at the right time for the right job, and he had the right credentials to take care of it. And he went about his business steadfastly approaching that. Why? He did it for you. If Jesus didn't come for anybody else on this earth, if you had been the only sinner, he would have come for you. He didn't come for the mass of 10,000 people who would respond to the altar call at a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade or a Franklin Graham crusade. Yes, He came for them, but I'm telling you, He came for you. And we can't make what He did, that right man, we can't make it what He did for somebody else. What He did was for me. Even when I have a bad attitude, He did what He did for me. Even when I think the wrong thing, He did what He did for me. When I say the wrong thing, He did what He did for me. When I live out a period of my life separate and apart from Him, for whatever reason, if I'm mad as all get out with Him, He came and did what He did for me, even in spite of all that stuff. See, there's no messiness about your life, and there's no bad thing about your life that Jesus doesn't love you through. But yet and still He came as a baby. Why? Because he had to be made just like us so he could understand and feel your emotions and, your, and, your, and your, all the other stuff that goes along with being a human. He experienced that. He was the right man. He was made for the arrival on this earth at the right time. He was born by a woman. So that he could experience the broad spectrum of everything that humanity is. So that when he did what he did, the enemy couldn't even bring accusation against him. The enemy couldn't stand before God and say he's failed because he missed one speck, one iota, one thing he overlooked. Jesus experienced it all. And he could not have experienced it. If he hadn't grown from being a baby into a full man. Because as he was born at the right time and he was born in the right way, he was born to acquire freedom for us. And he had to be cognizant. He had to be an adult. He had to actually make up his own mind and submit himself to a particular kind of death and a particular kind of sacrifice in order to fulfill the righteous standard of God the Father. He had to make an adult decision. See, Jesus, and here's the other thing. A lot of folks kind of get the abstract idea that Jesus was some kind of a robot. That he was locked in. Well, he, he was all God and all man, that's true. But he was not a robot. Even in Gethsemane, what did Jesus say? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He was praying so hard that blood was coming out of his face. I think there's a word for that. It's called stigmata, maybe. I don't know, I don't know exactly, but there's a word for that they've, they've phrased. 
Jesus prayed so hard that blood was coming out of him. And he asked God, he, you know, Jesus didn't really like what he was about to do. But the scripture says, with joy he approached it, he embraced it, and he went for it. And he did that because he loved you. He did that for you. So Jesus had to grow up to become a man, to make an adult decision, to make a decision that only he could decide. See, God couldn't decide for him. Jesus had to decide for himself what course to walk. And I'm telling you here now, you have to decide for yourself the course you're going to walk. Nobody can make it up for you. My wife can't, can't decide for me the course I'm going to walk. Now, she can support me in it. She can help me in it. She can encourage me in it. But I'm the one who's got to take those steps. Okay? Jesus came so that your steps would be accurate, so that they would be full of strength, so they would be full of everything that you needed to get you from where you started at to where he wants you to wind up. That's called destiny. So Jesus came. He didn't stay a baby. He became a man. And at, all, and at certain junctions, remember where he said one time, Jesus was the right man at the right place at the right time for the right thing. You remember at one time whenever people were encouraging him to do so, so and so, uh, he said, you know, my time, mine hour's not yet come. <laughs> See, Jesus couldn't hurry the cross. He could not shortcut it. He could not make it happen all of a sudden. He did not wake up one day and say, okay, today I was born way back yonder uh, 33 and a third years ago or ever how long it was, and today I'm going to allow myself to be sacrificed. Oh, no, that didn't work that way. See, other things had to happen simultaneously with Jesus accepting to do the will of the Father. You know, with Jesus going to Gethsemane, with Jesus being arrested, with Judas doing the betrayal, with Jesus being beaten at the high priest's house. You know, a lot of things had to happen. Jesus just didn't decide. Jesus was born at an appointed time. He did other things in his life at appointed times. And at, at the moment at which he was going to go to the cross, that was an appointed time too. And he was not going to miss his appointment. Now, <laughs> just... Um, Sort of aside from that, I love the scriptures when unexpected things happen along the times that were appointed. Now, even looking back at my life, I can see how some unexpected things, almost in context, they would almost be comical. They would have a little humor to them. I call it righteous humor. That God will do along those ways and surrounding those appointed times just this kind of shows who he is. You remember whenever the crowd came to arrest Jesus in, um, in Gethsemane? They came, Judas came, and he was going to betray Jesus with a kiss. And they came, I think, with swords and lights and stuff. It was a, a motley crew of just individuals, religious folks, and just maybe some commoners and also some, probably some Roman guards and stuff. They came to arrest Jesus. <laughs> remember what Jesus did? He just spoke and they all fell down. Just like, you're not going to take this moment from me. 
you're not going to force me to do something. You can't even stand up in front of me. I just speak and you fall down. See, Jesus, and here's the, here's the, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus, in his, in his appointed moments in life, he still held the authority and the power of all glory, of all creation. Because everything was riding, I'm, I'll just put it this way, everything was riding on Jesus. And when he was born into this world, he was endued with a blessing from God. But he was also endued with all of the stuff of heaven. And he held it, no one could take it from him, and as he went about his mission in the earth, as he prayed, as he ministered, as he did different things, as he traveled, as he, as he preached, as he healed people, as he, as he slept at night. Everything that was the desire of heaven, he possessed. He possessed, he possessed you, he possessed me, he possessed the glory, he possessed the anointing, he possessed the authority, he possessed credentials, he possessed everything that was due him. He possessed the throne of glory. He possessed everything there was to possess. And he held it with great respect and esteem before God. And he committed everything he had to the Lord. And he went to the cross with it. And there on the cross they killed him. But really rather he laid his life down. That's part of the great mystery of Jesus, how he allowed himself to be executed, but how he really laid his life down. You know, in the scripture, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus, Jesus gave his spirit away. He didn't let any man take it. He didn't let the devil take it. He didn't let, he didn't let situations or circumstances take it. And I'm going to tell you this. If you give anything to the devil, you're giving it. Don't give it away. Keep it. Keep that what you've been entrusted with. But here's the good news too about Jesus. If you mess up, he'll give it back to you. <laughs> Isn't that cool? But now see, Jesus held it all. He, you know, there wasn't no room for this other stuff. Jesus possessed it all. And the grand and glorious news is when he went to the grave, you know, his enemies danced and rejoiced and all of hell was happy because he was in the grave. But one thing they didn't know was is that on the third day when he came out, Everything he went in there with, he came out with. And you know what? I believe, I believe the enemy, I believe Jesus did what he did to such, to such the extreme perfection that the enemy didn't even know he'd come out of the grave until God wanted him to know it. <laughs> but he came out. Why? Because it was the right time. He was the right man for the right time, for the right reason, for the right purpose, for the right event. And he came out of the grave. And all earth, earth, there was an earthquake. And there was a trembling in heaven, I mean in hell. But all heaven rejoiced. Because the king, the right king, for the right moment, for the right time, rose from that grave. He ascended into heaven and he showed the Father 
the marks of his victory. See, Jesus was touched in every single regard, even to the point of going into the grave, just like we're going to go into the grave. But he came out of the grave, just like we're going to come out of the grave. Why? Because he was the right man at the right moment, at the right time, for the right reason, for the right accomplishment. And see, we, here's, the, here's, the, here's the joy of where we are in Him. We follow in His steps. We have, the, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Now, for Jesus' life, from the moment He came to be a baby, there's only two people, of the, two persons of the Godhead that was in heaven. That's been the only time in the history of creation where only... Two persons of the Godhead was in heaven because Jesus was here. He was on a mission. Did that, hurt, did that hurt heaven? Did that stop heaven from functioning or operating? No, because he was operating on heaven's behalf here. And so therefore it all worked together. He said, I and my father are one. And so the accomplishment, when he came out of the grave, we can, we can glory in the fact that we're following in his steps. When he had the Holy Spirit with him, we've got the Holy Spirit with us. When he said greater things than these you shall do, that's exactly what he meant. We can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Cast out devils. Raise the dead. We have everything that heaven is or has to offer because we're in Jesus and Jesus is in God because our identity is in him. We have not only are we following in His steps, we're following in His ways. And we can have as much of it as we want. Because He was the right man at the right place at the right time for the right accomplishment. And He shared His inheritance with us. Why? Because we've been adopted into His family. The law of spiritual power has been broken off of us so we could enjoy this new creation, this new birth, this new walk, this new talk, this new identity. We can have all that because he was the right man at the right time, at the right place, for the right reason, for the right accomplishment. He didn't fail. And I'll just conclude today by saying this, because he didn't fail. I'm telling you now, you can't fail either. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I have messed up. I have missed the boat. I have missed the mark. So and so and so and so. No, I'm not talking about that. You can't fail. Who hadn't messed up? Who hadn't missed the mark? Who, who's not accomplished something momentarily that they should have? The way the Lord works in this thing, if He's got a destiny for you that He's laid out according to the steps of Jesus and our identities in Him, you can't fail. You can give up and quit, but you can't fail. As long as you keep walking in that direction. And He allows a wobble every once in a while. My goodness. How many of y'all have walked the straight path? from the moment you were saved until where you're sitting today? How many of you have not messed up? How many of you have, have in your own eyes or in your own ears allowed the enemy to tell you that you failed? No. You've not failed. You haven't drawn your last breath yet. You haven't had the opportunity to conclude that what he has put you in here to do. Paul said he knew that the work God had started in him, God would bring it to completion. And the only way it won't come to completion is if you quit. You keep walking. And you keep talking. You keep believing. You keep, you keep hope in your bosom. 
regardless of the external circumstances in life. Jesus didn't allow the wind or the rain or He didn't allow opposition. He didn't allow conflict. He didn't allow any of that stuff to stop Him. He just kept on going. And you are the right person at the right place at the right time for the right accomplishments. You just keep on going. Matter of fact, keep on going is my brother-in-law's favorite thing. It applies to farming. It can be raining. You say, what you want us to do? You want us to quit? Keep on going. There can be some situation or circumstance or something that would apparently keep you from concluding the day's task. So what you want to do? Keep on going. And a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, I think he's lost his mind. Because he does things the way I wouldn't do things sometimes. I would take another avenue. But he's convinced that we need to keep on going. God's the same. God is convinced that you need to keep on going. Now, you just need to convince yourself and be obedient. Just keep on going. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, because I'm telling you, you are the right person at the right time at the right place for the right accomplishment. You are. Why? Because that's who you are. That's who he is. That's who you are. You cannot separate those two things. So what's it going to be? You were born into this earth as a baby. You're not a baby anymore. God has given you the capacity to choose. You've, cho you've chosen him. I look over this bunch and I don't see anybody who's not saved. So I'm talking to saved people this morning. He's given you the capacity to make your own decisions, to choose. You know, Joshua was speaking to a nation. He said, choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So you're an adult. You've got an adult mind. You're the right person today, at the right place today, doing the right thing today, accomplishing the purpose of God today in your life. What are you going to do? Don't shrink away from it. As I look, listen, as I look out on you, I don't, I don't see necessarily Cody. I see a, a body that Cody inhabits. You know what I see when I see Cody? I see a man who's got a destiny on him. I see a young man who's, you got some stuff to learn, don't you? Do. You do. Are we ever going to do it all right? No, but you know what? Jesus makes it all right, don't he? Because he's the right person at the right place at the right time for the right accomplishment. And if your identity is in him, guess what? That's you. So when I look at Cody, I see destiny. When I look at Beverly and Chris and, and, and Kurt, every single one of you, I see a destiny. Matter of fact, I can, I can feel it. So today, you are encouraged to go out and this day, at this time, at this moment, in this hour, go out and be the right thing that God has intended you to be at this particular moment. You can do it. And besides that, you can do it well. You can do it perfectly, regardless of what the enemy says. Why? Because you are related to Jesus and all of heaven has come to bear on who you are and what you can do and what you've been called to establish in the earth. And no one can take it out of your hand. Just like they couldn't take it out of His, nobody can take it out of your hands. So what are you going to do? <laughs> go forward. Go forth. 
Go in victory. Go in confidence. Go in hope. Go in joy. Go in peace. Go in strength. All that stuff. Go with Jesus. Never let failure be on your lips. Never let compromise be on your lips. And if somewhere, somewhere along the way you wobble, all you have to do is say, God, I have messed up. Put me, open the door so I can start over and do it again. And you know what? He does that with every single moment. Some people say you've got to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You mess up today, you don't have to say, Oh God, help me be right tomorrow because I messed up today. Oh no! No, 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 you don't have to wait till tomorrow. Dear God, I have just messed up in the biggest kind of way. Help me right now today. I want to change my course and be on the right path to do the right thing at the right time with you. It'll happen then. You don't got to wait till tomorrow. That's a big lie of the devil. Do it now. Walk now. You've got all the resources you need. Even though you may not, <laughs> even though you may not know it yet. You may think you don't have a thing to do anything with. Well, I don't, have a, I don't have an education. I don't have a job. I don't have, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have the other. I don't look right. I don't have the right clothes. Baloney. Do you know how many people out there meet your exact description who are doing stuff for Jesus? And, but, but also who meet your same description. And they're just waiting for you because they can, they can relate to your story. See, that's part of the reason why you, you're the composite of all the things that's ever happened to you. Because there are people out there who need Jesus, who need hope, who are exactly like you. And they won't believe anybody other than you. Because they can relate. Well, really? That sounds a lot like me. Yes. Because in the lives of those people, you can be the right person at the right place at the right time with the right accomplishment that will accomplish the right end. When that happens, heaven is released a little bit. There's something that comes out of heaven into the life of another person that this world can't take away. Just like they took our baby Jesus out of our manger. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that at a certain time, at the right time, that Jesus came into the earth. He was born of a woman. He was given power by heaven. And he broke spiritual darkness and spiritual principles and spiritual laws. He broke the power of sin and death off of our life. That we might be free, that we might enjoy that we might bless, that we might accomplishment, that we might be the, the full gamut of everything He has intended for us to be in the earth. Thank you, God. Give us, Lord, we just ask you to give us the right, we just ask you to give us the right mind to do these things because the enemy plays with us all the time. We ask you, dear God, that we be able to extinguish the lie of the enemy from the truth that you have for us. And we not be swayed by his voice, but we be guided by yours. Lord, when this thing's all wrapped up, whenever that happens to be, <laughs> we want to live throughout eternity hearing your story of victory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Love y'all.